You're listening to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. Danny and Jason had many discussions and debates on the back porch while making pivotal investment moves with assets. That's right, with trading cards. They welcome you to the back porch and right into those discussions about current sports news with a fresh and unique twist. So come on and join us. Welcome to the Back Porch Talk Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason. Is your call is Danny. And we have a fun-filled show for you today. Look, fans, we have a little bit about the NBA. We have to go into our Milwaukee Bucks. A discussion about Serena Williams, Jackson State University football. And we have a very intriguing trading card scenario for you. But first, to the NBA, we have a list of pretenders and contenders trying to figure out Who's for real or who's for gazy? So let's get to it, Danny. In the Eastern Conference as of right now, the Philadelphia 76ers are leading the East. And then now you have the Brooklyn Nets uh, listed at number two, followed by our Milwaukee Bucks uh, at number three. And it seems like the Eastern Conference, when you think about who are pretenders and contenders, it may stop right there as the list of contenders. Um, but let's dive into it, man. What, what do you think? Yeah, Jason, I think, and we're qualifying this whole discussion. This is at this point in time, we know the, the trading deadline will be approaching soon. So we want to make sure that that's known. So if changes happen, Andre Drummond goes to say the Raptors or some of these other speculated trades, this could definitely shift who was a contender and pretender looking at Philadelphia. I see them as a contender. Mm-hmm. Brooklyn Nets. I see them as a contender. Mm-hmm. And I have to say right now, the Milwaukee Bucks are a contender. And some of the other teams in consideration here that we're looking at are the Indiana Pacers, the Boston Celtics, the Miami Heat, and the Toronto Raptors. From my perspective right now, none of those teams are playing well enough to overtake the top three at this point. I think holding Pat with Sixers, Bucks, Nets as those top three as contenders. The Heat are starting to get healthy. They had some COVID issues. So I can see them turning some things around over the course of the season. The Celtics are straight up struggling right now. So they need a change. So I'm assuming they're going to make a change by the trading deadline. Pacers will get Karis LeVert down the line. And then the Raptors, they're always a threat. You never know with them because they have that championship pedigree. But right now, those are the three, Jason. I'm sticking with the Sixers, Bucks, and Nets. Not heavily confident, but that's where I'm going. How about you? Look here, man. I have to say this. The Philadelphia 76ers are strong contenders for me, purely because let's let's take a look at it here, man. Joel Embiid is having an MVP-type season. Yes. Joel Embiid is shooting 85% from the free throw line. He is not shooting as many three-pointers uh, as he has over the past, well, basically all of his career. He's shooting less three-pointers. In terms of the number of times he's going to the free-throw line, he's going to the free-throw line about 11 times per game. That's the highest in his career. Mm-hmm. Doc Rivers basically told Joel B, get your ass down in the post and stay down there. There is no reason for you to shoot these threes, even though you're shooting at a pretty good percentage at a 39% clip. But listen... You can get 
three points based on you getting in the block and getting fouled. You're shooting 85% from the free throw line. And I think that has totally shifted the mindset of how the Philadelphia 76ers actually play ball, man. You have some decent outside shooters. Yep. Let them do the work. Mm-hmm. And get down on the block. So I believe the Philadelphia 76ers are strong contenders, man. I really do. Um, they may need to make trade here or there, but man, they are strong contenders for me, just like the Brooklyn Nets. The Brooklyn Nets are huge contenders or strong contenders for me, man. The way I look at them, Kyrie saying, hey, James Harden, you are the point guard. I'm going to play off and be the two guard. That is, you, you, man, that's huge because the way I look at their offense, it, it is lethal. Once mm-hmm. KD gets uh, from gets back on the court from his hamstring injury, they are going to be lethal. Their defense is shaking, but at this point in time in the NBA, what defense is really all that great? Agree. So I think the Nets will figure that part out. I think they'll make another trade or two. Uh, maybe some signings here just to go ahead and get that defensive player and they'll be good to go. The Milwaukee Bucks, man. I, I have to say this, man. I just think that the Bucks are missing Drew Holiday. Dearly. <laughs> they look totally pathetic, especially on a defensive side of the ball. I think they're trying to figure out. And to me, man, this is just so hard for me just to really understand how are you professionals and you don't necessarily understand the concept of switching it's, on defense. It's baffling for sure. I, I, I just don't, I don't get it, man. And to me, that's the indication that you all have been playing some lazy ass defense over the past few years, quite honestly, uh, the drop coverage. Okay. Uh, I, I get it. I understand you do. You try to protect the plane. You don't want, you know, your opponents to score in a painted area. Okay. That's fine. But you have to have some agile players to really kind of deal with that. Uh, I think Brooke Lopez is a defensive liability, man. I really do. Anytime you watch a game, you see a lot of the opponents switching, doing pick and rolls, making sure that they switch on to Brooke Lopez because he's slow footed and he can't stay with the defender. And that is a huge problem. So you probably have seen Brooke Lopez minutes dwindle because he can't stay on the court because offenses know what what to do here. So until they figure that part out and until they figure out their offense and their offense is still also a work in progress, yep. they're, they're contenders. But I'm on the verge of t- almost saying they're almost pretenders. Oh, they're definitely on that line. They're, they're on definitely that line, on the man. bubble. Yeah, it, and it's hard for me to say that, man, because, yeah, you watch the Bucks and you watch the progress that they've made. But you watch the lack of adjustments or speedy adjustments. Like it, it's taken Coach Bud a long time to get to this point of switching. So uh, this is going to be interesting to see how this comes up, man. But I would say the Bucks right now, they're contenders. They're not strong contenders for me. They're they're mild contenders on that on that verge of being pretenders. So and that's um, what could get them bounced in the playoffs is like last year with Miami. Yes. If you yes. have an outside shooting team, like we've talked about in the past podcast, mm-hmm. they're done. Even mm-hmm. if you watched the game the other night, Fred Van Vliet torched them, ate them alive, man. The new Bucks killer, in my my opinion, they can never them. do anything with Fred Van Vliet. Yep. So the rest of the Eastern Conference pretenders, I'm, I am interested to see what the 
Heat, Miami Heat does uh, here as they get more players and they kind of get more acclimated to the system and into the uh, season. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but all the rest of them, to me, are pretenders. I do, as of right now, though, see the Milwaukee Bucks probably going to the playoffs, playing the first round and getting bounced in the second round. Um, but I do see the Nets going to the conference finals. And now to the Western Conference. My three contenders, Danny, are the mm-hmm. Utah Jazz, the Los Angeles Lakers. And this the last one was very difficult for me, man, but I decided to go with the Portland Trailblazers. The Utah Jazz, man, they're having an awesome season. Uh, they're a complete team, Agreed. top to bottom. They're, they are in a groove like no other, uh, so much so that Giannis has indicated that, hey, they're the best team in the West. Now, I don't know if that was some slight jealousy on the part of Giannis. <laughs> Yep. Los Angeles Lakers going to be there, man, barring any major injuries. Hopefully, Anthony Davis heals up from the, uh, what they're saying, a strain calf. It seemed like it was going down into that Achilles area. They got to have AD in order to really make a run in their Western Conference. Agree. And I say the Trailblazers, man. I've been going back on fourth on this, man. Uh, Dame Dollar is having an awesome season, man. He really is. I don't think he nearly gets enough credit. Uh, but the Blazers are injured. My hope is that, you know, the folks come back and they can go ahead and gel and make that run. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see uh, about that. How about you, Danny? So, Jason, I also agree with the Lakers as being contenders, pending AD's health and them being healthy going into the playoffs because LeBron's logging some heavy minutes now. Mm-hmm. And he's not one to sit out games. So hopefully that doesn't backfire on them going into the playoffs, him wearing out. Mm-hmm. They definitely need AD for sure. The second team... I have is the Los Angeles Clippers. This is the one I struggle with. Oh, man. So here's the deal, man. I look at Utah. Utah is playing lights out. Clarkson, another person on that team that is playing six man of the year for sure. Top to bottom, like you mentioned, they're they're playing lights out. I just don't know about them in the playoffs. I haven't seen it from them yet. Last year was Donovan Mitchell's show, and nobody else showed up against Denver. If you remember that classic mm-hmm. seven-game mm-hmm. series, it was him against Jamal Murray. I just don't know about Utah. And if they get a matchup, say, against, like, the Nuggets or Golden State in that first round, that could be a potential knockout upset <laughs> possibility. So that's why I don't. That's why I worry. The Clippers are in the same boat, though. So this is very close. You know what I'm talking about, that bubble. Mm-hmm. Clippers fall in that same boat because they haven't proved anything yet with Kawhi and Paul George and the crew. So I'm I'm going, I'm leaning Clippers just because of Kawhi. But like last year too, man, they they came up small in the playoffs. And the last team I agree with you on with this one is the Portland Trailblazers. Especially after the news, before we just taped that Dame Dollar got snubbed as an all-star starter in the West. Mm-hmm. You know he takes all that stuff personally. Mm-hmm. And if they get healthy, they get McCollum back and Nurkic back. And they've been there. They've proven it. They know they've been in the big game. So that's why I think they're a contender. The other teams of note here in consideration were the Phoenix Suns, which with Chris Paul's leadership, they're playing really well, but they're a little young. They may be a year away still. The Nuggets. I don't know what's going on with Denver right now. They've been there too. So that's one of those teams that could get hot late in the season and make a run. But as of right now, they're a pretender. I'm going to tell you what's wrong with the Nuggets, man. They got rid of Jeremy Grant. Huge. Huge, man. So I I think that's what's wrong with the Nuggets. Yep. Offense and defense mm-hmm. for them because their defense is not playing well right now. 
And then the other team of note is the Golden State Warriors. So right now, based on the team they have, the way they're constructed, I just don't see them making it to the conference finals. That's kind of what our basis is here of being a contender. Steph Curry's playing out of his mind. Draymond's playing out of his mind. But that third person, like Wiggins and Oubre, they're inconsistent right now. That Wiseman hasn't been playing, so he'll once he gets healthy, that may help them. But unless they make a different, a major move, I just don't see it. It's going to be tough for them to go be a contender. And now on to Serena Williams, who faced off against Naomi Osaka. What an interesting, interesting battle uh, between these two ladies for the Australian Open. And let me just say that, yes, Naomi did win. Uh, she went ahead and defeated Serena. That was 6-3, 6-4. And it was just a, I have to say this, Danny. Throughout the whole tournament, you kind of saw Serena really building on her confidence. She came in uh, in shape mm-hmm. and was really looking to get this victory. To get another chip, basically. Yep. It just didn't happen. She faced off against Naomi uh, and lost again. And this is the third time that she has lost to her. And her post-game press conference was really telling. Telling in that, I think one of the reporters asked her about her unforced errors. And Serena started to break down and ended the press conference. In her mind, it could be... I cannot beat this lady. I have gotten in shape. I've gone through the tournament and I have revamped my game. I have studied her and I still cannot beat her. And she beat Serena in straight sets. I just think that the closer you get to retirement, I think the more that you kind of feel it in Naomi Osaka beating Serena. But I just think that what we're witnessing right now is a changing of the guard passing of the torch kind of feel some kind of way for Serena Mm -hmm. uh, because I do want her to at least tie the all-time record hopefully surpass it but man Naomi Osaka is this oh she's that nemesis since 2018 we're looking at about 12 Grand Slams that includes the French Open the U.S. Open Australia Open and Wilbedon okay Serena has been a runner-up for of those 12 times. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Serena is slowing that well slowing down. She's getting to she's getting to the finals. Yes. She's getting there. She's getting through the tournament. She's getting to the finals. She just can't get over the hump. She's right there. And I think that's the frustrating thing. But at the same token, you're also facing the, the you know the fact that you're close to retirement. It appears she's pressing, Jason. I think with she that, too, man. Yeah. With the Grand Slam champ, with the Grand Slams hanging over her head, mm-hmm. you kind of equate it to Tiger and him trying to chase Jack. With her trying to chase that record and watching her play, she's thirty nine. Mm-hmm. She is defying <laughs> logic in some cases, just based on her play mm-hmm. and her. This is her twenty fifth year of playing, mm-hmm. so her playing at that level. For that amount of years and all the stuff her and Venus have went through, I'm right there with you, man. I'm pulling for her, man, to get this record. 
And I hope she doesn't, I hope she takes a step away, clears her head and brings it. And maybe someone else knocks Naomi off in one of these tournaments. <laughs> so she doesn't have to face her because all, like I said, all the stuff she's been through and being a trailblazer in so many, so many ways, it would be different if she was getting bounced in like the quarters or like the first round of the tournament. She's right yeah. there, man. Like she's yesterday, right she, she got off to a great start. Mm-hmm. She won those first two and she almost had that third off the, mm-hmm. right off the bat. And I think if she got that one, it may have been a different story for her. So from my standpoint, man, I hope she takes a step away for a minute. And then for the next championship, she's ready to roll. She ties, hopefully owns the record. I agree with you on Serena pressing, but I think she's pressing for that perfect game. Mm-hmm. When you're a champion, when you're playing at that level, you're not going to have it every single match. But when you know you need it for a particular match and you can't get it, I think that's where the frustration really carries over. She had a lot of unforced errors, man. Yes, she did. And it's like it only comes up when she faces Naomi. And so I think that's the frustrating thing. Is it's almost like a mental block. Mm-hmm. And I have to say this, man. Naomi, man, she, she just looks so at ease with yeah. it. I mean, just so at ease, man. So I think that's where part of the frustration from Serena is coming from, too, is like, man, almost like a mirror image of when I was younger. Yep. Hopefully Serena does at least ties the record and hopefully carries it over to breaking the record, man. And now to Jackson State University. And where they are going to start the spring season and they're going to actually play Edward Waters this Saturday uh, at Jackson State. This is going to be an interesting game. Edward Waters, I believe, is the division below Jackson State. Uh, Nonetheless, I think with all the media hype, media frenzy, I think this is going to be a well-watched game, quite honestly. I think, man, Jackson State, with all the hype, they have a very interesting spring schedule. So Jackson State starts off against Edward Waters. Then they play Mississippi Valley State. Then they play Grambling State, Alabama State, Prairie View, Southern, Alabama A&M. And apparently the last game was forfeited by Alcorn State. This is going to be interesting to see how the spring football plays out. For a school to play this many games in a season, in a full year, calendar year, Mm-hmm. I'm hoping that their bodies, you know, maintain, uh, they don't break down and wear out. Uh, but hey, we'll see what happens come September when they face off against the Florida A&M University. But in all seriousness, man, this is going to be a very interesting game. So much so they're getting this media attention, Danny. And there are reports that NBA TV is actually going to showcase the Jackson State men's and women's basketball game on that Saturday against Grambling, uh, excuse me, to that Monday afternoon against Grambling, NBA TV will actually showcase it. And that is primarily due to just all of the hype surrounding just the football team. So like we talked about in the past, man, you know, the media attention, the media hype that Prime is you know, bringing to Jackson State and therefore the HBCU football, I think he just bring it to HBCUs in general. Kudos to the student athletes for being showcased on NBA TV for basketball. And we'll see what happens with Jackson State. They get the primetime football slot now. The showcase is there and they get the opportunity to have that shine where they have no other competition. Other conferences are going. 
not the only conference going, but with Dion and what he brings to the table, it should lead to a lot for the upcoming fall season as well. So this is paving the way for Jackson State to get ready for that fall season and uh, play the schedule out and get the exposure and possibly expand their exposure depending on how they do because they're and the team to just, watch. And let me just say this, Danny. I really believe that BET, Black Entertainment Television, has messed up. I remember as a kid in the mid-80s, and the only way that we could watch HBCU football in the classics, in the yeah. bands, was actually on BET. That was the only way we could watch it, man. And I don't know for what reason possibly didn't get enough viewership or enough money or sponsors or whatever the case may be, but that was the only way we could watch it. And it's going to blow up again. I mean, HBCU football has been on the ESPN networks over the past few years, mm-hmm. but man, what it, it would have been for BET to possibly branch off to a BET sports they have BET Soul. I've, I've been watching BET Soul every so often, you know. <laughs> Get a little sure. groove on, whatever, you know. But it would have been yep. cool to have a BET Sports mm-hmm. to where now you almost have your own network for HBCUs. Yes. And the money, the sponsorships, uh, the ads, everything could have you know, really been flowing. I think BET really didn't have the foresight in that. And maybe they just wouldn't get enough viewership, but to me, they could have marketed it a whole lot better, uh, packaged it up a little bit better. But nonetheless, man, I think they missed out on an opportunity because now HBCU football, basketball, and sports in general, oh, yep. it's about to blow up. Yep. Could have brought Donnie Simpson back. <laughs> Had him introduce everything, man. No, and, you're. I'm, I'm, I think you're dead on with that. I think you know that's I mean? an oppor- a blown opportunity, and maybe they're going to work on something for the fall, but – you had this is pro, this is perfect right now because there's no other football going on, man. It, so why not take advantage of it? It would have been prime, I, but now I think with the uh, commissioner of the SWAC, he's looking at possibly just even having a SWAC television network mm-hmm. or a SWAC network. Yep, and really packaging that up and making money and stuff off of that. So I think BET just really missed the opportunity there, man. They really did. And now on to our trading car scenario. What do we got, Danny? We have Scotty Pippen's 1988 Fleer rookie card for Kawhi Leonard's 2012 Panini Prism rookie card. Couple quick bios. Scotty was the fifth pick out of Central Arkansas in 1987 by the Seattle Supersonics and was then traded to the Chicago Bulls for who? Olden Polonese. Scotty was a Hall of Famer, seven time All Star, six time NBA champion, seven time All NBA, 10 time All Defensive Team, played 17 seasons, averaged 16 points, six boards, five assists, and two steals. Kawhi Leonard was the 15th pick out of San Diego State in 2011 by the Indiana Pacers and was traded for who? George Hill. Four-time All-Star, two-time NBA champ, four-time All-NBA, six-team All-Defensive team, two-times Defensive Player of the Year, two-times Finals MVP. He's in his 10th season, and his career averages are 19.6 boards, two assists, two steals. So, Jason, looking at your trading car portfolio, who do you want? This has been an interesting one, man. I've been going back and forth. And I decided to do something a little bit different. I can't say the fans know where I'm going because they don't at this particular moment in time. 
I decided to do something different. I decided just to honestly look at what they have done in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I didn't go back into their college years or go back into the college vault. I decided to stick purely with the NBA. Uh, reason for that, man, is just so much to talk about just in their NBA careers, quite honestly. And as I look at Kawhi Leonard, he has come from the San Antonio Spurs system. I mean, he was a hell of a, and is a hell of a defensive player. So much so, that's the reason why he he was the actual uh, MVP of the finals because he had a guard against uh, none other than LeBron James. He won a chip down in San Antonio, then eventually went to Toronto and won there. But let's go back to that championship run against the Miami Heat when he had a guard, LeBron. I think the big question is, did he really stop LeBron? He didn't stop LeBron. He may have slowed him, but slowed him down. Mm-hmm. But LeBron still averaged 28 a game in the finals. Seven rebounds, four assists, two steals. And I'll just have to say this, you know, he slowed him down. I mean, from LeBron probably averaging about 35. And then I thought about his time in Toronto where he won a championship on that shot in the corner against the 76ers and it sent them to, you know, obviously play the Milwaukee Bucks. We know what happened there and later to face the Golden State Warriors. Now, now, Danny, I have to say this. If the Golden State Warriors were not hurt, because keep in mind, that was when KD went down yep. with the Achilles. That's the same series that Clay Thompson went down with the torn ACL. Mm-hmm. If Golden State had a complete team, there is no way Toronto would have beaten Golden State. Let's be real. Yep, I agree with that. So he still got the chip. I'm not taking that away from him, but there's a whole lot of what ifs <laughs> in that, right? Yes. And then I looked at Scotty Pippen, man. And Scotty Pippen, first of all, he came in, you know, young. He started a wreck shop, though. His rookie year, eight points a game, but then it ballooned to 14, 16, then 17 points a game, then 21 points a game. I say all that to say this, man. Scotty Pippen was a very good player from jump. Mm-hmm all the battles, everything that they had to go through. And this is like late 80s, early 90s. So you, we know how physical the game was back then. Oh, yeah. Come on. I mean, he was going, they were going against the bad boys. Mm-hmm. And he was still, you know, doing his thing. So, and then I thought about, you know, that championship run, their first championship against the Los Angeles Lakers led by none other than Magic Johnson. And who could forget when Scottie Pippen would actually – put full court press on Magic Johnson. It may yep. it may have slowed Magic down just a little bit. I mean, Magic still averaged in that series 18 and a half a game, eight boards, 12 assists. Yes, he did. Come on, man. They still lost. Come on. So made me mad. I have to say this, man. I mean, in my portfolio, I am going to go with Scottie Pippen. I got to have a Scottie Pippen in my portfolio because he's considered one of the greatest 50 players of all time. He's a Hall of Famer. Kawhi will be a Hall of Famer, but man, he got six rings. And yes, some can say, yeah, he was a sidekick to Michael Jordan, but you know what? Jordan didn't win without Scottie Pippen. And Scottie Pippen played hellified defense all up and down the court. I'm talking about full court press on players. So I'm going Scottie Pippen, man. 
all day. All right, Jason. I went back and forth on this one from the card perspective. From a accolades perspective, Kawhi had a couple of differentiators with the two defensive player of the years and two-time final MVP, which Scotty didn't have. And and Kawhi is kind of coming into his own the last couple of years. The thing with Kawhi is, and why I'm actually going to agree with you once again, is Kawhi's durability. He's had a lot of injuries uh, where he's missed a lot of time. And then recently he's been low managing because of those injuries. So he's not playing a full complement of games, which if he did, his numbers would be off the charts. And if he did, I would more than likely take his card. But due to his durability issues, that is the main one of the main reasons I'm going to take Scottie Pippen's card. The other is this was the year I really got into buying basketball cards with this 1988 Fleer set where we used to go to Pick and Save and <laughs> Flatiron Mall, <laughs> Home Run Sports. Uh, list goes on and on, man. Looking for those cards. And this set in particular was one that I was always chasing for those cards because that set had Dennis Rodman's rookie card. It had John Stockton's rookie card. It had Reggie Miller's rookie card. It had Carl Malone's rookie card. The list goes on and on. So player-wise, if I had, I think Kawhi may be a better offensive player. Scotty's a better defensive player. But from a car perspective and the memories that car brings me, man, and the missions we used to go on as a crew, to buy these cards, I'm definitely going with Scotty Pippen's 1988 Flair Rookie card. Thank you for joining us at Backports Talk Podcast. You can also join us on Twitter by tweeting us at back underscore podcast. For more information, you can go to our website, which is backportstalkpodcast.com. You can also email us at backportstalkpodcast at gmail.com. Again, thank you for joining us and remember that there's enough hate in the world, so go ahead and spread a little love.